Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. To another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Ragus. Alongside me, as always, Mike McShane. Mike, what's up, man? How are we doing today, Jonathan? Another big show. Big show today. Another big show and a very big, exciting week. Fun week here. Yeah. Really good one. Uh, show number us- 99 right here. 99. We're one away from 100. And it's funny because I tried to schedule a show for next week, Mike, and instead of doing 102, I did 201. So we instantly went from Episode 100 to episode 201 in a matter of a uh, couple of days. I'm the dyslexic one here, I thought. It's yesterday I was. Okay, gotcha. That's that's, that's the bad part. Um, gotcha. We have a very, very good show today. Joining us will be uh, CSN Philly sports anchor John Borick to talk a little bit about the NHL playoffs and a little bit about your Philadelphia Flyers, Mike. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to it, uh, well, since we knew he was going to be coming on. You know, maybe get into a little bit of the other uh, Philadelphia sports stuff as well. Yep, I know. But you're... Uh, I know that uh, the Flyers are his big bailiwick, so we're gonna have to get into a lot of that. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I know we got some stuff lined up to uh, talk to John about. Uh, he should be calling in around the twelve fifteen Eastern time mark here to Fan Junkies Radio, and uh, when he calls in, we'll get to him with all of the hockey talk. But Mike, let's start it off today with today in sports. Oh yes, yes. Today in sports, I'm going to take you back. You're going to love this one, Jonathan, and take you back to 1970. Any idea what happened on this day in 1970? Um, you turned 42? <laughs> no. Oh, man, I, what happened? How about this? Your New York Knicks won their first NBA title there. when they defeated Los Angeles in Game 7 of the Finals. Gotta love Willis Reed, man. There you go. 1970. Now you'll never forget that one. You'll know that one forever. No, I know, but I had a feeling you were going with something else, but I didn't know it was really? that they Okay. Won. All right. Didn't know it was today, Mike. Well, but, I was just trying to keep you happy today, you know? Well, I appreciate that. But before we get into some of the things we're going to talk about today, just a few shout-outs and a little tidbits here. Um, we at Fan Junkies Radio want to send uh, you know, our congratulations and uh, good luck over to Sir Alex Ferguson, the uh, head coach of Manchester United, stepping down after a 26-year stint as head coach of Man U. Um, what a career for him. I, I mean... No, nobody better in soccer as a coach than Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, good luck in your retirement, sir. That's Alex. a long, long time, man. Very, very long, long time and career. Also, want to send a uh, you know a huge shout out to the Chicago Steel of the USHL uh, league for drafting uh, teenager Jack Jablonski. And if nobody knows who Jack Jablonski is, um, he was paralyzed in a high school hockey game, and um, the Chicago Steel took him with their last pick in the USHL draft. Jack Jablonski wrote right after it, best night ever. I mean, seriously, you know, that's uh you know, great great thing for them to do to uh take their last pick and pick Jack Jablonski and you know, to make him a member of a uh, hockey team again. Class act. Class act move right there. Absolutely. That's that's really, really big. Uh got a couple of a uh, award announcements and award nominations in the NBA and NHL. NBA uh coach of the year goes to Denver Nuggets head coach George Call, Miami Heat. 
head coach Eric Spolstra, second place, Mike Woodson of the Knicks, third place. Don't even know how Woody wasn't at least in second, uh, but congratulations to George Call um, of the Denver Nuggets, Mike. Yep. That was a team that uh, now is out of the playoffs, but he did a good job with them. So Absolutely. Especially with no star players, you know what? you got to give it to guys like that. Um, that is the trophy in the NHL. The nominees came out today, Mike, and it's uh, <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist of my New York Rangers, Anti Niemi, and Sergei Bobrovsky, former yeah. goalie, Mike, now with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is a Vesna candidate. Yeah, who do, well, you know, what are you going to do? You know, I mean, it's something I can throw at John Bork, but I mean, you know, really, when the question, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'm already fully expecting I'm going to have a lot of Flyers fans later on uh, who are friends of mine and what have you, who are going to be, you know, railing about it, you know, yeah. just screaming about it over on Facebook. And what are you going to do? You know, you had no way of being able to predict that. No, you don't. You know. But, I mean, we knew what Sergei Gabrowski, you know, Bobrovsky could do in goal, and... uh I mean, I hate to say it, he goes to a team that's not as good as the Philadelphia Flyers in players right. and roster. Right. And look at the season he put up with that defense in front of him. Absolutely. But, and then again, Brizgala put up a very good um, half season and uh, you know, up until the end of the uh, All-Star break there, and uh, things turned around there. So Yeah, right. right. Like, bad defense takes a toll on you, huh? Well, it's, uh, you know, we're going to talk to John Burke about it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's one of the major weaknesses of uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers, personally. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll definitely talk to uh, John Bork about that. All right, Mike, well, we're going to get into something here that uh, we have talked about time and time again on Fan Junkies Radio, and uh, we even had a good friend of ours from Rage Against the Marlins on, because, uh, Mike, we know how much you love Jeffrey Loria. Oh, yeah. And we love to talk about how terrible the Marlins are and how terrible Jeffrey Loria is to his fan base. And uh, here comes the story now that the Marlins are set to close off the upper deck for several several games throughout the season because of attendance being the you know having the worst attendance in Major League Baseball already this season, Mike. This is a disgrace, absolute disgrace. Uh, I, I, it's it's so grotesque. This uh, this stadium, this ballpark is in its second year. Yeah. And and you've got a team that's making a decision because of the mismanagement of this team. They're going to close off the upper deck. You know, I, I understand why it's being done. I mean, you know, obviously, what's the point in, in you know, having concession stands, et cetera, and what have you open up there if there's nobody up there? Yeah. But there's no reason why there's nobody up there. There's no reason for it, except for one thing, one thing and one thing only, and that's the management of this team. Yeah. Well, you know, what sucks, too, is that by closing off the entire upper deck, for um, I believe it's going to be closed off for six dates in the team's nine-game schedule um, homestand that begins next Tuesday, is um, you know the employees that work the stands. Well, yeah, you know, fewer shifts, less money going around, and uh, you know potentially if they keep doing this, I'm sure uh, some standing workers will probably get laid off. Absolutely. You know, and that's you know that's the sad part of it. You know, screw the fans sitting up there. It's the people who need to work. Mm-hmm. And make a living, you know, and pay for their families. Uh, you know, that's that's the sad part. And uh, you know, this you know this goes to show just you know once again the uh, effect that Jeffrey Loria can have on a professional baseball team. Well, and they're saying right now, you know, uh, the upper bowl will be closed for six dates in the team's nine-game uh, homestand that begins next Tuesday. This is just the beginning, Jonathan. I mean, we're only into May. Think about this. This is going to be happening consistently now for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Because as this continues to go on. And as that team continues to 
to to struggle and and not win games and and the home fans can, you know continue not to show up and support the team it, it, you know it, they're almost making this article almost makes it sound like oh well this is a test we're going to see how this goes you know if this works you know this this is part of a longer term plan they plan on actually closing that thing down probably for most of the season make no mistake yeah well, we got a couple of people in the chat room, Mike, saying that they're not getting today's live stream. Hopefully, it's recording, and it should be recording. Oh, dear So, uh, it looks like it's going to have to be archived today. So, luckily, uh, today wasn't featured for us huh. here on Black Hawk Radio. Oh, boy. Don't know what's going on. Every time they uh, upgrade, update stuff, um, it seems we get the bad stick, you know, bad end of the stick on it. So, uh, I certainly hope it is recording, yeah. It's recording. Uh, a couple of people using a couple of different browsers, unfortunately not getting the show, but we're going to keep going. So, Okay. Um, let's talk about this, Mike. You sent me over a story yesterday. Um, the managerial stock report over on USA Today, Mike, and it uh, basically shows the managers that are on the hot seat and the managers that you know are in between or could be safe. Yeah. Um, from some of these names that you read in this, Mike, because I'm, you know, I was looking through it myself. Uh, was there one or two names that really stood out to you that could possibly not be a major league manager next year? Well, you know, they're talking about, uh, you know, basically, you know, it's kind of a shtick. It's a shtick thing to do. But basically what they're doing is they're saying whose stock is up and whose stock is down. Mike Sosha right up at the top actually kind of surprised me a little bit, uh, indicating that his stock is down. Now, I understand, you know, that team, that, that Angels team has started off slowly. However, this guy's got a contract through two, uh, 2018. Uh, worth $5 million a year. Uh, I, I would find it difficult to believe that Mike Sosha would be on the hot seat, per se. I understand his stock might be, maybe the way it's being described, would be down. Um, but I think it's a matter of time before the Angels actually turn that situation around. Yeah. Um, what were they, 11 and 20 right now? Uh, their current record, uh, where are they? 11 and 21. Okay. 11 and 21, they're lost three in a row again, uh, and uh, they are two and eight in their last ten. Ugh. But uh, so that one, that one, I'm going to be honest with you, Jonathan, kind of surprised me. How about yourself? Anything there that uh, kind of jumped out at you? Um, yeah, you know what, Mike Sosha being up there at number one really, you know, really took the uh, the cake there for me. I, you know, it's 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 a shame that they are on such a Low swing right now, but right. it's so early that you can't really say, oh, well, you know what, Mike Sosha's stock is completely down because of the start of the season. You know, right. they can instantly turn around and be number one and, you know, go into the playoffs, uh, you know, fiercely. But um, Charlie Manuel, not shocked about Mike. Not shocked, no. Um, Terry Collins, I think he should be down. I don't even think he should be even. I don't even think he should be a manager in Major League Baseball after his, uh, you know, last job. Um, hoping he goes so I can see Wally Backman take over there. Um, up, Ned Yost with the Kansas City Royals. Got to give him a lot of credit uh, for what he's doing there. Ron Gardenhire over at the Twins uh, doing a very good job. Davey Johnson being down. Um, agree with that. Joe Girardi up, I, you know, I guess from everything that's going on with the Yankees from yeah. all the injuries. I think you got to give it to him. Yeah, he's using nothing but bench players. And I, and I hate to say it, but I think Joe Girardi is a very good Major League Baseball manager, but I think he's a better NL manager because the job he did with the Marlins uh, you know, years back was uh, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, what Weiss too with the uh, Rockies. Rockies uh, playing really, really good. So, really not shocked, Mike, uh, you know, 
mostly shocked at Mike Sosha. I guess I'm shocked a little bit at Don Mattingly, too, because it's still early on. The Dodgers have a very good team. That's another team that could really turn it around and uh, really blow up. So. Well, I am. At, I'm at, in fact, i got, I got to be honest. I am actually expecting uh, the Dodgers to turn it around. Um, I, I keep thinking every day it's going to ha- – well, you know, it, they're going to turn it around today. They're going to turn it around today. But uh, it hasn't happened yet. Um, Davey Johnson being down, uh, he took a one-year took a one-year contract extension after winning the uh, NL Manager of the Year award last year. Uh, that does not surprise me, in the least, if you take a look at what the Nationals were expected to be and what they have put out there on the field so far early in the season. So that one doesn't shock me at all. Yeah. Now let me ask you, Mike. Charlie Manuel, sixty-nine now. Um, you know, this is a guy most likely lost this team. It doesn't seem really anybody's responding to him much anymore. Um, he goes out. The manager's job with the Philadelphia Phillies is vacant. It's open. Who would you like to see take over the Phillies? Well, I think the, you know, I think it's been often talked about that the heir apparent would be Ryan Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 for one, have always liked Ryan Sandberg. I'd yeah. like to see, I would like to see what he would be capable of doing. With this Philadelphia Phillies team, I'd like to see what he'd be capable of doing with a major league team. Um, he did a very, very good job. Uh, where was he? I'm trying to think. Was he in Double A or Triple A uh, last season? Uh, but he did a very, very good job with the uh, with one of the Phil's affiliate teams. I'd like to see what he's capable of doing. I really would. I, I, why not? Absolutely. Why not? I believe he was with the uh, the Class A Chiefs, and then he went up to um, AAA, Iowa Cubs, in 2009. But the uh, year before, I'm not entirely sure where he was. Um, yeah, he was with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, right, last yeah. year? Yeah. Okay. There, all right, so he was off with the AAA team. Yeah, is he with them now, or is he up with the Phillies now? No, he's with the Phillies. He's their bench coach, actually. Okay. Uh, the uh, You know, now, before we, before we go Barry and Charlie, though, you know, there's been a lot of debate here in the Philadelphia region. You know, uh, is it is it Ruben Amaro that should go first, or is it Charlie Manuel that should go first? And I, for one, would can Ruben Amaro before I would can Charlie Manuel. Well, is it going to be a package deal, though? Oh, actually, I think it's going to be the complete opposite of the way that I would want it. I, I, I think I think Manuel is going to go, and I think Ruben Amaro is actually quite safe. Really? You think yeah, he's actually going to be around still? Oh, yeah, I do. And because this is what, I mean... Second year in a row where he really hasn't really done anything to upgrade this team. In fact, I think there's a lot of questions. I think the fans, particularly intelligent fans out there, feel that this particular offseason has more question marks than any so far that we've seen from Ruben Amaro. Wow. I mean, seriously, when you take a look at it, I mean, you know, a lot of the promises that were made to this team, and we talked a little bit about it on Monday, uh, Jonathan, but a lot of the promises that were made to the fan base uh, with regard to this team, with people like uh, Ben Revere and 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 uh, Mike Young, Delman Young, uh, a lot of the promises that were made, we have not seen fulfilled at all. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I I I really got to question some of the moves that were made um, in the, in this off season. You know, I understand that the team has been hamstrung by by payroll obligations that they went and 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 really kind of. Uh, put themselves in 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 a, in a real bind with. Mm-hmm. I understand all of that, and there was only so many moves that they could possibly make. But I think the quality of what we've gotten 
has not been exactly what what was let's say what was promised. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's get to our guest. Joining us right now is uh, sports anchor John Bork from CSN Philly here in Philadelphia. John, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. How are you? Very good, John. Thanks uh, Thanks for coming on today. Sure. Well, John, there's a, you know, a lot of hockey going on. We definitely want to talk to you about some flyer stuff. But first off, i got to ask you, how shocked are you that the Sharks swept the Canucks last night? Uh, it is somewhat surprising, uh, considering – what stage I thought that the Sharks were uh, in the franchise uh, in terms of, you know, I thought they were on the downside with Joe Thornton, Marlowe, and some of these guys getting older. Uh, but I think this is more of uh, a declaration against the Canucks more than anything. And, and yeah. perhaps they're, they, they're not as strong as what they once, once were. I don't know if Ryan Kessler will ever be the same. Obviously, they've been trying to shop a guy like Luongo, but Schneider was hurt. Uh, yeah. So I think that there's some clear deficiencies within Vancouver, more so than perhaps the strengths of San Jose. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what we keep talking about over here is uh, the downfall of the Canucks, basically, because they do not look like the Vancouver Canucks of old. You know, and you always see the Vancouver Canucks go into the playoffs, and you always can count on them to at least make it to the second round, go into the Western Conference Finals, but definitely not the case yeah, and this you, year. And you, and you have to look, you know, the Sedins are starting to get up there. You, you, it's yeah. easy to look at them and still think that they're, they're kind of young guys, but they're class of 99. Uh, and you look across the board, and this isn't necessarily a young team as it was three, four years ago. I mean, no. they're, they're, they're starting to get up there in age. I, I um, you know, they committed, uh, a, got a lot of money tied up in their defense, not to mention Luongo. So there's a lot of commitments on the board. They're, they're, they've got a lot of big decisions that they're going to have to make this offseason. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, I think what was so shocking to me, and I frankly, I, Jonathan, as you well know, I had, the, I had the Canucks actually winning the series. They didn't win a single game. I mean, not one. No. So it was, it was, I mean, it was dominating, absolutely dominating by, by the Sharks. Yeah. 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 In fact, you know, you looked at uh, the San Jose Sharks. They were playing that series in, in a lot of ways the way that they played early in the season. And Antti yeah. Niemi, yep. I mean, he's uh, you know, he's just been fantastic all year. And, and I think obviously uh, they got better goaltending in that series than what Vancouver did. So it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, now you know if San Jose can build off of that, uh, they can build off that momentum because you know everybody's talked about the Sharks window in terms of you know, their core players. Mm-hmm. Uh, how far can they take it now? So it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Let's get into a little bit of uh, Flyers uh, chat, John. Um, uh, this was a season that I think a lot of fans, uh, myself included, I've been following the Flyers for almost 40 years. This was a season, particularly it being shortened, that I think a lot of us had expectations for, and it came up quite a bit short. This team really looked like a 500 team all year long. Uh, what do you put your finger on with regard to that? You know, there's never, when you look at something, uh, a season like this where it fails to meet expectations, I think there's clear, there's never one uh, indicator as to why it went wrong or why it went bad. I think it really started in the off season when Paul Holmgren pursued guys like Parisi, Suter. Uh, at the same time, you know, he was riding that out, and that, you know, and, and I think it may have taken away uh, of a chance to re-sign Yager or Carl or some of the other guys that were in play. Uh, so it was it was the first time where Paul Holmgren wasn't able to a upgrade his team through free agency. Not only that, it may have it may have weakened it a little bit. I don't think people realized until this season 
the importance of a guy like Matt Carl. I mean, it's it's easy to look at, you know, when he if he has one of those turnovers, and you know something like that sticks out. Uh, I think it's easy to point the finger at that. But obviously, they went into this season uh, without the same roster intact what they had the previous year. Uh, secondly, I think we put too much in. You know, then you're asking. I think, and I think the biggest one, if you want to talk about the biggest indicators, is uh, you're asking guys like uh, guys like Braden Shen, Sean Couturier, right. Matt Reed to step up and, and to take on more of a significant role. And you never know about that. Everybody talks about the sophomore slump, but you don't know if they can elevate their game to the to the next level. Sean Couturier was great when his role was very defined defensively, and you know he could just. Worry about playing solid defense and killing penalties, and whatever offense that he gave you was a bonus. Uh, this was completely different, and I don't, you know, I don't think that either guy was ready for that responsibility. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we know about the uh, injuries on defense, uh, you know, and then Ilya Brzezgalov was playing his best hockey in the first 10 to 12 games, and then he obviously got tired, and, he, and I think that he he fell apart and. Uh, I don't think they could ever bounce back. And when they weren't scoring early on, they weren't scoring goals, you could tell it got to them. And this isn't a team, uh, and like in previous years, where if they got down a goal or two or, even, or three goals, that they really had the ability to, to, to come back, to mount that, that comeback. Like they were always potent and dangerous, regardless of whatever the deficit was in previous years. I don't think you could say that about this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, since you brought up Brzezgalov, let me ask you one quick question on that. Uh, are the Flyers going to amnesty him? Well, I'll, I'll break it up into two parts. What, what the Flyers are going to do, I don't know. I think there's two options here. And the, 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 the option that I keep hearing makes zero sense to me. It makes zero sense to keep him around another year, pay him $8 million, and then cut him loose after that. Because you're, if that's the case, you're essentially saying, a, he's not worthy of the contract. He's not fitting in with his team. We don't think that it's beneficial to this team to move on. So why prolong it another year? It's like a bad marriage. Why hang on for another year? Right. No. It, it, that, and it doesn't make any sense. So, in, in the, in the, so if you either cut him loose now, admit that you know what this is a this is a relationship. I think it's it would be addition by subtraction. I say you cut him loose now. Uh, you go with Steve Mason. You pick up somebody else. You have those two guys. Uh, compete throughout the course of the year, as we've seen. And everybody says, well, I mean, it, it, would you love to have a, a Henrik Lundqvist? Would you love to have a Mark Ambrodorf? Absolutely. Right. But those are those are franchise guys, and you could probably name franchise goaltenders on one hand. However, you look at what the Flyers did in 2010, and, uh, you know, if you, ha- if, you, if, if you build from outside the crease, a two-goalie system can work. Chicago's proven that this year. The Flyers have shown that in years past. Um, you, you go down the line. I mean, the last time that the, the Detroit Red Wings won the Cup, they won with an aging Chris Osgood, uh, you know, a goalie that. So I like that. There, there's obviously different philosophies in which to build a team. I, know, I, I didn't have a problem in the Flyers bringing Ilya Brzezgalov here. Right. I obviously thought it was nuts to give him nine years and $51 million because right. they, were, they, were, they were bidding against themselves. Tell, yeah. tell me what other team was in the market for Ilya Brzezgalov at nine years. And I can tell you right now, it's nobody. Yeah. So, um, what, so what will they do? I don't know. I, that's a great question. I, if, if I was Paul Holmgren, I'd say, you know what, let's just cut our losses, let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Claude Giroux didn't have the season I think a lot of us fans were anticipating. Uh, is, that just a bad, is that just a bad year? 
Yeah, I, I think I would chalk it up to that. I think he's very passionate about the responsibility. I think he takes it very seriously. He's such a talented player. Uh, he didn't play good, and I, I think that, um, you know, he has a lot of confidence, but I think at times I think he, that confidence wasn't always there. You could see sometimes he would, he, he would make the bad low-risk play right. uh, at times at times where he should, he should just make the safe, smart play. Because this is not, you know, if you – you're playing on this team last season. You got like guys like Yager and uh, and Hartnell when that line was really clicking. I think you could afford to take more chances, especially given the defense behind you. And it, I think that was, you know, Claude all, all always sees the play one or two steps ahead of everybody else. He's just that gifted of a player. Yager was on the same page as him. So in a lot of ways, it, 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 it's, it's tough to have to reel your game back a little bit, dial it back because you don't have the personnel to match what you want to do out there. And let's face it, um, you know, he was a focus point. And, and teams, if you were to say, you know, you look at a team's objectives going into a game against the Flyer, number one is take away time and space from Claude Giroux. And they did a great job of that mm-hmm. uh, throughout the course of the season, and they made right. it their priority. So somebody, when that happens, somebody else has got to step up. And, and, and Jake Borchek did that, and I think that, Claude was able to, 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 to benefit from that. I think they benefited each other. I think Claude benefits Jake a lot more than Jake benefits Giroux. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think it's just one of those, yeah, it's one of those one-year anomalies. But at the same time, um, you know, Flyers just didn't have the personnel to at times where Claude could really put that team on his back and carry them to two points. There was game, the, the only game that comes to mind was when they were down two goals to the Capitals, and they came back and won that in overtime. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people are talking about Brzezgalov and the goaltending, and if Steve Mason is an upgrade. But I think one of the bigger holes that the Flyers really need to take a look at is their defense, because the defense was just not there this season for the Flyers. Uh, what do you see the Flyers doing this off season to try to upgrade this defense for uh, the team? I don't know who I was talking to, but I think somebody asked me, well, "What's the biggest?" off-season moves, or what, what, what is Paul Holmgren's biggest challenge going to be? And I said, without question, it's not going to be getting below the salary cap. It's not going to be whether you part with Ilya Brzezgala. You know, getting below the salary cap is pretty easy. The hardest yeah. thing that, that is going to have to be decided here is, is he going to want to part with one of his young players to strengthen this defense? Because it's not out there in free agency. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 if, if he's going to rebuild this defense, or if he is going to um, uh, re-equip it, so to speak. He's going to have to make trades. He's going to have to make deals. He's proven he's done that. I mean, you look at the, the defense that they had when they went to the Stanley Cup. All of those guys were acquired. They don't draft anyone, and I think that's part of the problem is is that this franchise, this organization, has got to get into the mode of of developing homegrown defensemen, and, and yeah. they haven't done it. Right. It hasn't been done, uh, and you can't. And, and teams. And here's another thing. I mean. If you're going to try to get a 20 to 25 minute guy who's going to who's going to you know get you that many minutes out on the ice, uh, you're not going to get an Eastern Conference. Nobody in the East is going to trade you a, a number one or number two defenseman. So you're going to have to go <laughs> right. out west. Yeah. And so you're already you're already cutting the league in half. Now it's just it, that's going to be like I said, it's going to be a really big challenge for Paul Holmgren. I don't personally, I don't know how he's going to do it. And I think everybody's waiting for him to weave his magic. But I think it's going to be a lot tougher. It's going to be a, a lot tougher in action than it is on paper. 
John, last night on my uh, Facebook page, uh, one of my good old friends uh, for many, many years and a, and a big, big hockey fan, Flyers fan, asked me a question, with re- and he wanted me to throw it at you with regard to youth uh, on this team. You look up and down the roster, you see names like Timonen and Briere, Fedotanko, Gagne, Knoebel. Uh Why does this team – we need to get youth in here, it seems to me, and yet somehow or another they keep – going back and hanging on to to, to, to the age. And, and uh, the question that he wanted me to throw at you is, why does it seem this team always seems to give up on, on young players so quickly? Well, I think the, the biggest tremendous oversight, and I, I can't emphasize this enough, was that first-round series back in 2011 against the Buffalo Sabres when they went seven games. Yeah. And Peter Laviolette throwing goaltenders <laughs> in their right and left and yanking them after two or three goals, it – it sent the owner absolutely into a tizzy. And right. at that point, and, and, and whatever plan, whatever blueprint that they had in place, it went absolutely out the window. And that was when you got the knee-jerk reaction, we got to go out there, give me a goalie, sign me a goalie. And that pretty much squashed whatever potential, whatever dream Sergei Bobrovsky had in the city. Because once you got Ilya Brzezgalov in there at nine years and $51 million, Bobrovsky was done. He was a nice he wasn't happy with the situation. It affected his play on the ice. He was didn't he, he obviously felt like that he had the potential to be a starter in this league, and he's proven that. Yes. Uh, but you, but but that is a microcosm of sort of the knee jerk reactions when things don't go your way. Is that you give up on young players too often? Now, you know the Chris Ponger train, uh, trade. Um, you know, obviously not knowing that he was going to sustain. Uh, the injury that he did, you make that every time. I mean, you right. guys no, like I agree Chris Pronger, you. you know, you make that every time because Absolutely. you don't know what your future first-round picks or a guy like Lucas Abis is going to bring. And, 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 you know, he made that trade. I think it obviously paid dividends in the first year. Um, so giving up on those sort of young guys. But I think that when it, in terms of you mentioned Gagne and Kanuwa, those guys aren't coming back. I mean, it was right. that was pretty – those those guys were brought in pretty much just to plug holes. I they mean, are. it was – it was devastating to the point that injuries were just killing this team that, that Paul, you know, and a lot of GMs, if you look across the league, uh, with a lot of GMs, they don't often know, they don't know what they like. They only like what they know. And, and they knew guys like Knubel and Gagne, Fedotango, who had already been in the, within the organization, good character guys. So that, that may rub off on some of the younger guys. But right, that, and it, it kind of goes back to what I said in the previous question. It's really going to test their commitment to these young guys uh, whether they want to stay with stay the course or they're going to part with one or two or whatever um, to try to fulfill the other areas of need, and that's especially defense. Uh, but they've so far, I mean, they've stuck to their guns when it come, when it's come to guys like Shen and Couturier. John, you brought me a perfect segue by bringing up the situation with uh, Snyder going ballistic the other year and running out and getting Brizgala because he had to have a goaltender. Uh, I'm sure you saw the article uh, yesterday over on Philly.com um, from Sam Donnellan. Uh, Donald, Donald, right? Yeah, and yeah. He, um, he made the reference to uh, Snyder as being Mr. Teflon. Uh, and in some respects, I think, I think it's a pretty accurate uh, description. Uh, this guy doesn't seem to get uh, – Flyers fans were a unique, were a unique crew in, in Philadelphia. He doesn't seem to get quite the scrutiny that others would get. Um, also, I, I, going back to the Brizgalov thing, in some respects, he kind of took 
the onus of the decision-making on that one out of Paul Holmgren's hands. Uh, where That's do you exactly weigh in on the article? Where do you weigh yeah, in on the article? I, I, I thought it was uh, – I, I don't remember word for word. There were some parts that I thought uh, – um, but it, it, as I mentioned before, it was a clear 90-degree deviation from the plan that Paul Holmgren had put forward. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been over what, – what are we looking at, 35 years since – you won the cup, and and and, yep. and the realization is is that in the salary cap world that you can't you 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 have to be so careful with where you're spending money, and you just can't throw it here and and uh, and toss it around, and then just sort of put together the puzzle. There really is an emphasis now on building from within the organization, drafting well, uh, signing good free agents out of college. Uh, and then supplementing through free agency, and the Flyers—that's never been really their mo. It's always right. been, you know, their 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 mo has been, we'll 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 just throw out the dollars and we'll get the guys that we want. And uh, I don't I don't think that you can afford to to, to take that philosophy now. Uh, and and I give Paul Holmgren all the credit in the world because if you think back to what he inherited back in 2007, I mean they had no defense. Yoni Pekinen was a disaster that season, uh, and they dealt him, and he's pretty much put together a defense that was solid until this season. Mm-hmm. So I, I, th- I thought he was pretty on base um, in terms of what I recall from the article. Uh, you know, I, you know, I hear Ed Snyder say that he just steps back and watches. You know, and that, and 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 the one thing that did stand out about Sam Donnell's article was that he alluded to the fact that Snyder pretty much initiated the whole goalie, uh, go out and get me Ilya Brzezgov, which was, uh, in, you know, uh, completely contradictory to what he told the press during the uh, statue unveiling recently right. when he said when he said that, you know, no, Paul makes all the decisions. He even told our, <laughs> uh, Lisa Hillary that, uh, no, I mean, this was clearly Paul Holmgren's decision. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, th- I think we, we know who calls the shots here. But at the same time, it's throwing money at free agents left and right doesn't solve the answers anymore. And it doesn't. Yeah. And if you don't have a blueprint in place, you don't right. have a bona fide plan in place of how you think your team, what the identity of your team is going to look like, uh, how you want to go about solidifying from the forward spot to the defense to your goaltenders, if you don't have a plan in place, it, it, it's going to uh, obviously show. And, I, and I'll say this. I think that they have a greater challenge from this season to next season than when they did coming off that awful year in 2007 when they had $20 million in cap, cap space, by the way. You know, Richards and Carter got hurt that year. You knew that they were going to bounce back. Um, I have more of a concern that they're going to be able to bounce back following this past season than I did back in 2007. But Right, right. Uh, so, one more quick, one more quick follow-up to you on that one, uh, John. The uh, can the tiger change its stripes here? Uh, I, I mean, so long as Snyder is at the helm, and I'm not suggesting that you know we need an ownership change, because I've always been a big, big fan of Ed Snyder. But so long as he's calling the shots, can the Flyers change their stripes? I mean, can that tiger change its stripes and 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 do what you're saying to do, which is use the draft. Go after the young bodies, get the guys in there 
from uh, you know that are coming out of college, that sort of thing. I don't think that he has. He will always have complete. Uh, I don't think that he'll have uh, complete trust over who it is that's call, calling the shots. I think that he's always going to want to have his hand in what's going on until somebody comes to him and says, you're going to have to relinquish some bit of control here. You're going to have to let the hockey people run the hockey operations. As hard as that may be, because he founded the team. I mean, you know, he's the one, you know, how how do you tell, how do you tell somebody for who's been running the, the outfit for for 45, nearly 50 years now that, uh, you know, we, we, you know, you stay back, take a step back. I mean, that's, That's, that's a that's a that's a hit to the pride, and and that's a very that's that's a very tough thing to do, for, especially for a guy. That, you know, I mean, if you were in his shoes, you'd say, "I've proven myself. I've been it's successful. Just, you don't tell me how to run my particular business." It's uh, his baby. Being, I understand. It's his baby. He he, he birthed it, it. it. It's his baby. But until he comes to the realization that, and and it's so funny because I talked to some executives the year after, uh, I think the year before the cup. And they said, you know what, we have to, you know, we, we've been drafting and developing goalies. We have to see what we got. We have to put our trust into these goaltenders. They said that, and then they did a complete 180. Yeah. And, and I just wish after that 2011 playoff series that, that somebody would have just stuck to the ground and say, this is not the direction we need to go. Yeah. This, is not the, this is not the way to handle it. I understand the Richards trade. I understand the Carter trade. You know, I, I – Flyers, I thought, got good return out of that, and I think it's going to benefit them in the long run. But, um, yeah, I would agree that until he until he purposely steps down or he steps in and realizes that, you know what, I, I have to trust my hockey people, that you're going to continue to have this little tug of this organizational tug of war. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess we'll see this off season what the Flyers do, and hopefully uh, a few guys they do upgrade their defense. So, well, that's not going to be easy. Got to be the first priority. Got to be the first priority. You know, like you said, John, especially if they don't want to give up guys like uh, Sean Couturier. So, and, and and I know people have talked about offer sheet. I, I honestly do not foresee that. It's it's mm-hmm. it was a shot in the dark. They structured that contract in a way that they really thought that they were going to handcuff the Predators, and I think the Predators, looking back now, I thought I, I thought it was a poor decision to match that, considering. Uh, yep. what their history was and what they could have right now if one guy and that sort of money it's just it's 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 for the flyers it would have been good for Nashville I think they should have just cut bait and moved on but um it's going to be tough because I don't see the offer sheet I, I don't see Paul Holmgren going down that road so it's going to have to come in the form of trades and that's going to be just tough yeah. I agree I agree all right, John. Well, you know, thank you for joining us today. Glad we finally were able to get you on with us uh, to talk some hockey. And uh, you know, I want to get you to... back, John. Want to get yeah. you back and talk some other uh, Philadelphia sports if we could. Yeah, anytime, guys. Anytime. You just let me know. And um, looking forward to it. I'll be at the U.S. Open all all week. So that's kind of my next oh, big right. project. And then from there, I'm going to be focusing on the draft because I spent a lot of time sort of. Uh, watching and, and, and looking at some of these prospects, and I think the Flyers have a really good shot at getting a couple of good defensive prospects that they can they can uh, develop, and hopefully they'll be around for five or ten years. Yeah, if they select them. <laughs> if, they, if they select them, that's a right. good point. Exactly. All right, John, thanks so much. Man. We really appreciate it. You got it. Take care, guys. Thanks, Take John. Care. Well, he said it, man. You know, it's it's them having to go out and actually select these defensive prospects and growing them up. You know, just like other teams do, like the Rangers. You know, it's uh, you got to do it, Mike. 
Well, I was I was pleased with John's candor. Yeah. All right, because you know, let's not forget, John works for Comcast, and uh, that's that's Snyder's that's Snyder's business there. So yeah, but, uh, you, you know, know um, luckily for us, and uh, you know, hockey fans, Ed Snyder is, is not one to go out and say, you know what, man, these reporters can't do their job and. No, I, and you know, I'm, listen, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm slamming Ed Snyder. I really, I'm really not, because as I pointed out to John, I've always been a big Ed Snyder fan. I really am. Uh, I, I think the guy is a model. I think he has been a model for what ownership of sports teams should be all about. Yeah. He built that. He built that stadium that the that the Flyers play in with no municipal funds whatsoever. Huh. He built that all by himself, and, and that's the way you run a team. That's the way you run a sports franchise. What he has done with the Philadelphia Flyers is positively remarkable, and he has every right to be proud of it. But I think John's John's on the right track. That uh, until Snyder gives up a little bit of control and lets other people actually do the sports management, eh, this could be this could be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be a long one for you, Mike. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about the uh, NHL playoffs now, Mike. Uh, coming right off talking uh, Flyers hockey, let's go into last night's games. Senators taking a 3-1 to one lead over the Canadians with a 3-2 overtime win last night. Kyle Turris getting the lone goal in overtime to send the Senators three, uh, two games over the Canadians, which uh pretty much a shock there, Mike. Right. Uh, Islanders, 6-4 over the Penguins. The series is now tied up at two games apiece, Mike. Yeah, a uh, little bit surprising there, huh? Well, remember I said, I you remember what we were talking about the playoffs before everything was set, but I said, you know what, I'd rather the Rangers not play the Canadians, and I'd like to see the Penguins play the Islanders because I think the Islanders could take the Penguins. And, I mean, at two games apiece, even if they lose a series to get two games this quick on uh, Pittsburgh, that's uh, that's pretty good. This is a, that, that series is getting very, very interesting. I mean, really. Uh, I did not expect – well, you know, look, we talked about it. We talked about it, uh, you know, a little bit there with John. I didn't expect Vancouver to go out, you know, down in flames the way that they did, not even winning a single game. I didn't expect this uh, Penguins-Islanders series to be tied at two after four. I did oh. not expect that. I mean, especially for the Islanders to get six goals last night. Yep. I mean, wow. You know, but uh, we'll see what happens. It, it, it would be great to see the Penguins go out in the first round being, uh, you know, being a Ranger fan. Uh uh, it's you know it's hard to root for either of these teams, Mike. But the Islanders are just playing with such heart right now. Yep. That and they are the underdog, so you can't help and not root for them. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, I know? agree. I agree. You know? I agree. Now I understand that uh, uh, Crosby took took one in the in the throat last night. Did he? Took, yeah, puck. Even the puck, puck hates Crosby. It, it always seems to find him. I don't know. It's a. It, 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 well, it's, you know what? His teeth are in a way. <laughs> All right, man. Let's Blackhawks <laughs> with a oh. went over the Wild last night to take a three games to win the lead over Minnesota. Patrick Sharp with two goals last night, and the Sharks, as we just spoke about it with John Borick, winning four to three in overtime to sweep the Vancouver Canucks right. out of the first round. Mike. Yeah. Now I watched I watched that Blackhawks Wild game last night, and uh, just give you my observation on that one real quick. Uh, while it appears it was an actually pretty tight, close game, with the Blackhawks only scoring one goal per period. So, I mean, it was one nothing after one, 2 nothing after 2. Uh, fact of the matter is, I really thought the Wild did not look very sharp in that game. No. Well, we'll see what happens. 
All right, well, let's look at some of tonight's games, Michael. Yeah. And that's the Capitals versus the Rangers. Capitals with a two games to one lead over the New York Rangers. Bruins versus Maple Leafs. Bruins with a two games to one lead over Toronto. Kings and Blues now tied at two games apiece. Red Wings and Ducks tonight, two games apiece tied up there as well, Mike. Yep. It's going to be some interesting, interesting games. Um, real tight series, though, so far in the first round. Really, really tight. It's not, it's not like the NBA playoffs, that's for sure. With the exception of San Jose. <laughs> yeah, I, wow. Um, I actually believe that I had San Jose going in six, Mike, and you had Vancouver going in six. Yeah. So we're both 0 for 1 so far. Well, now, it's an interesting thing you're saying, you know, not like the NBA, and yet I've heard just absolute praise giving Oh no no no! It's it's been very very good, but I'm talking about where it's just going, uh, you know, uh, one game back and forth, you know. Oh, okay. Well, one team, the other team wins. Uh, I mean, we got that with the Knicks game last night because the right. Knicks won. You know, let's talk a little bit about NBA playoffs now. Uh, Knicks defeated the Pacers last night. Uh, I mean, demolished them. Oh yeah. One hundred five to seventy nine. Um, what a great great defensive and offensive effort from the Knicks in that fourth quarter. They went on a uh, thirty to two run. Thirty to two run. At the Holy start. Smokes. Oh. The fourth quarter, Carmelo Anthony with 32 points. But, Mike, uh, you know, if the series is tied at one game apiece right now, I have to give a lot of props to Kenyon Martin. I mean, he comes off this bench. He only played 18 minutes last night, but he came off this bench with 10 points, two blocks, two steals. He's just being a, a defensive stopper for this New York Knicks team right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just watching him, you know, going after this ball, and he, he missed a few blocks, but, I mean, that tenacity and that kind of, you know, effort on the defensive end really showed up in Kenya Martin's game last night. Um, Iman Chumpert, uh played a terrific game, 15 points. Mello at 32 points. Raymond Felton, 14. And Pablo Prigioni, the ageless wonder, yeah. uh, you know, 30-something-year-old rookie, with another 10 points, and he went perfect. Two for two from three-point land, four for four. Uh, in field goals, and he also had four rebounds and four assists. I mean, that's with Jason Kidd just playing horrible basketball. It's been so welcome to see Pablo Prigioni on this team. Mm-hmm. Been real, real huge. Uh, another game last night: the Memphis Grizzlies defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder, ninety-nine to ninety-three, to tie up that series. Mark. My goodness, the Memphis Grizzlies! I just cannot get over them. You know, the the funny thing is, is when they traded Rudy Gay. At the trade deadline, oh, why are they doing this? Because they're having such a phenomenal season. They haven't missed a step, Mike. Uh, you know, I've got to tell you something. They they might just become my Cinderella uh, underdog favorite at this point right now. I, I just, I, you know, anybody who's a sports fan who, you know, enjoys the underdog story, you got to love what the Grizzlies are doing. Yeah, and you know what? It really is, uh, you know, besides Derek Fisher coming off the bench with 19 points, it really is that... Oklahoma City bench, that's really not getting them over to them. Kevin Martin, who they got for James Harden, um, 0 for 2 from three-point land, 2 for 11 from field goal, uh, you know, and, and field goals. Only six points last night, Mike. That really hurts. Right. You know, you got to have a good bench, and uh, the Knicks proved that last night. Uh, let's look at some of tonight's games. And, by the way, I still see Oklahoma City Thunder winning that series. Tonight's games, Chicago Bulls, Mike, who uh, – or one game up, you know, it's 1-0 in that series against the Heat. They play tonight. Um, wow, Nate Robinson, you know, I, I, I don't know if he matured or what, but he looks like a totally different player uh, for Chicago. We also have the Golden State Warriors versus the Spurs. That came down to the last bucket in the last game, uh, Mike. I believe it was overtime. 
Uh, Warriors just look phenomenal. Yes. Phenomenal. Yes. yes. Phenomenal. I'm really looking for, you know, Stephen Curry is just on a, a different planet right now. You know, I, I believe he scored, uh, I could be wrong, but I think he scored 44 points in that first game. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't have the numbers up. Yeah, I don't have them up right now. I, I, it was either that game or in the first uh, round, but I, 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 I could swear he scored uh, 44 points in that game. But, wow, um, it's going to be some phenomenal, phenomenal games in this second round, Mike. Well, who'd have thunk, who'd have thunk for one minute, though? We'd be talking second round, second game of the second round, and you have to almost say out loud, Miami is in a must-win situation. Yeah, you know, because... Think about it. They are in a must-win situation. Chicago has that energy right now. Yep. You know, especially with that bench. They got good bench players, man. And I'm telling you right now, Miami does not have that. If Miami goes down in this series, 0-2, it's, it's going to be a disaster. Oh, I'm man. I hope so, man. I hope so. Let, let oh, me... I, it would make for great conversation on Friday. There I'm is no doubt about that. I'm not a Bulls fan at all. But to see the Heat go out to the Bulls in the second round would be great. And... On Friday, our 100 show, we'll talk to Chucky e. Brown about that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, let's talk a little bit about this, Mike. Uh, you know, the uh, PEDs and the PGA, you know, in golf. In yeah. In golf, uh, we got this uh, story now that Vijay Singh has filed a suit against the PGA Tour for basically humiliating him. <laughs> and, um, you know, and making him the basis of ridicule for months. You read this. What do you think about it? First of all, the guy admitted to using what in any other sport would be considered a performance enhancement drug. Uh, apparently what he is suing them over is, as you pointed out, Jonathan, uh, I guess what? The embarrassment? The, the the fact that they used him uh, in a situation where, for all intent and purpose, basically the reason the PGA isn't the – reason, the reason he's able to file a lawsuit is because at the time that the PGA came down on him for using it, Deer Antler Spray was not on their list of performance enhancement substances. Yes. It was not on their list. I guess maybe it will be now. <laughs> but to think that he's going to file a lawsuit almost as if to say, see, I was right, I was right, I was right. Isn't this a situation where two wrongs don't make a right? I, I mean, I, I – I, it, it it's it's like it, it's, the whole thing is so difficult to wrap my brain around. Yeah, well, it's you know what it's kind of like the PGA totally made a joke of themselves in this whole matter. You know, they go out and they uh, what was it like a ninety day suspension they were talking about? Correct for VJ Singh. I mean, if if it's if there's no rule against it, uh, you know, I, I guess VJ Singh didn't break a rule. Well, no, he didn't, and no. and apparently that's what the foundation is of his lawsuit. Yeah. Is that at the time but think about think about what we're what we're talking about here. VJ Singh is going to file a lawsuit saying I'm right that you guys were wrong. Basically is what he's saying. Absolutely. Uh, I right mean I'm right. sorry, both VJ Singh and the PGA look like morons. But at the same time, I mean in this case VJ Singh has a good case against the PGA. You know what, and, and 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 I hate to say it because I don't like anybody who takes you know stuff that you know enhances their performance in any sport, but in this case, VJ Singh is correct, Mike. Uh, I I suppose you could say that. Yeah, I mean I hate to say it. I mean, but listen, 
if the lawsuit goes through and they don't come to some sort of a uh you know of a conclusion to this by themselves, a judge is gonna rule right in the favor of E. J. Singh. Right. No well, doubt about it. Uh, maybe. I have a I have a sneaky suspicion it's I, I have a feeling this lawsuit's gonna get thrown out. That's yeah. that's my gut. Well I, I I I have a feeling they're gonna work it out between their own lawyers before this gets to court. I don't think it's you know, so to me it's not gonna get thrown out. Well I would agree with you because I think it's to court. I think it would be an embarrassment if it got to court. And it, I hate to say, it, Mike, it's already an embarrassment. Yeah, I, I agree. With you. I agree. With you. It is. Yeah. But I, you know, to me, when I was reading this, I, I, I was just sitting here shaking my head because I thought to myself, this is one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. That he admits to using a performance enhancement drug and then comes back later on and files a lawsuit against them. For as you point out, I don't know what you know. What would be the grounds? Basically, the grounds are that you made me look bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess because that they were going to throw out suspensions at him already before anything. You know, I, he's talking about being humiliated and being ridiculed. So, you know, is that basis for a lawsuit? Wow. Normal working day people that are ridiculed and humiliated at their job every day, but they can't do anything like that. So, <laughs> good point, my friend. All right, let's talk about this. I know you and uh, Sidekick talked about this over at Five Minutes at the Frat House, Mike, but we got to bring it up here. Something we wanted to bring up uh, the last couple of shows, but we couldn't get to. And that's um, would Major League Baseball be better without playoffs and basically model their entire season around the English Premier League? Right. Uh, which is whoever is in first place and has the best record is the champion of the league because it's 162 games, and supposedly that's enough to. Uh, I believe that was uh, Joe uh, Joe Posnanski from uh, yep. NBCSports.com who wrote this article about that. Um, Mike, I know you guys talked about it. I didn't get a chance to hear your thoughts on it. What do you think about the MLB, and uh, is there a possibility, or do you think that they should model their entire season after the uh, English Premier League? Uh, you know, way you know the way they do it without the playoffs. Yeah, well, as a, just as a little bit of a background, Posnanski apparently in the column that he wrote, which appeared last week. Uh, he was quoting Billy Bean throughout it. Yes. <laughs> because apparently Oakland A's uh, general manager, Billy Bean, a, a big follower of uh, the EPL uh, and uh, and international soccer, is somewhat in favor of the concept. So then the Oakland A's would never win a championship. <laughs> is that what we're talking about? I guess that about would there? be one way of looking at it, right. Um, but uh, what was funny was I sent it, you know, I sent it over to Sidekick uh, as, as a possibility for chit-chat. For last week's five minutes, it's a frat house. And the way he came back and he said, "Well, you know, when I first saw it, when he first saw it, he said, oh, this is absolutely ludicrous.' But then when he said, he says, I, when he started reading it, he actually said, "Well, okay, wait a minute, hold on, back up the bus. It might make a little bit of sense. Whether it makes sense or not, Jonathan, the fact of the matter is, it just there's no way in the world something like this could ever fly in America. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, the mere thought that we would not have a fall classic." Yeah. Uh, is not going to work. Uh, not to mention that when you think about it, and I brought this up on on uh, on the uh, Frat House Saturday show. Think about this for a moment. Four weeks into the football season, we're already talking about what the playoffs might look like. Yeah. We're a month into we're a month into the baseball season right now, and we're already talking about wild card setups. You know, it seems like no matter what the sport is, it's no sooner gets going, and all of a sudden, 
the entire focus turns to what the off season's going to be. Yeah. What's the playoff going to look like? What's the next season going to look like? Who's going to be the champion? We are so caught up in our concept of championships and playoffs in this country that there's no way this kind of thing would ever fly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, listen, honestly, if you're talking about it in this matter, Mike, uh, to me it's just, you know what, if you think 160 games is too much and you want to model after EPL, take away some of the games from the schedule and keep the playoffs. True. You know? That's my opinion well, on that's the matter. Been, so. That's been brought up as just a proposal anyhow. So. Oh, yeah, of course. But I'm saying, well, then mine should be a proposal as well, too. You know, but uh, the, the idea of not having playoffs in, in anything just goes against our very nature. And yeah. um, it, it, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Now, you know, I would have to let, I would have to let uh, Sidekick actually speak for himself as far as uh, what the other ramifications of this are, but... There's all kinds of other machinations that go in with the whole EPL thing, where yeah. certain teams are kicked out of the EPL at the end of the season if they don't make a certain cut, and then like double AA, A, triple A teams are brought into the EPL. So there's all kinds of other uh, rules and regulations and machinations that go with the, how the EPL actually operates, which makes it even a little more convoluted. But uh, it's fun. It's fun fodder for a conversation. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Well, you know what? They should put it in uh, single A and see what happens. See how it works down there. You know that might not be a bad idea. Try it out. Try it out in a minor league and see. see might as well. What the hell? Why not? What, what would happen? Yeah. Why not? All right, Michael. That's it for today's show. We want to thank John Board from CSN Philly joining us today to talk a little bit of NHL playoffs and Philadelphia Flyers. But that's today's wrap for the 99th episode. Friday is our 100th show, Mike. Our anniversary show. Yep, big one. And we go two hours from 12 to 2. And joining us will be former NHL referee and former Fan Junkies radio guest, Kerry Frazier again. Yep. And another former guest, former NBA player and current New Orleans Hornets scout, Chucky Brown. Yep. So we could talk NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs as well as anything else that we feel like talking to them about because they are great guys and we're going to have a blast there. Absolutely. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some of our favorite episodes. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite guests as well as playing some sound clips from our favorite guest that day. And it's going to be a celebration, Mike. We're going to talk. We're just going to celebrate the show. You know, 100 episodes. You, you said it. You, you pointed it right out. That That's what it's going to be, a celebration. It's going to be a celebration. We're going to have a lot of fun. We are going to talk a little bit of sports news, but at the same time, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. So uh, also join us in the last hour on our 100 show will be our very good friend, Jim Williams, who always uh, comes on as either a third host or fills in for one of us uh, when we can't do the show. And he is a... You know, just as big a part of the Fan Junkies radio team as uh, the both of us are. And, Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate Jim. Absolutely. And so we'll be, popping, we'll be popping the champagne bottles. Yes, after the episode, it's popping it and going through it and getting to the 200 episode. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That all starts on Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And also, next Wednesday, May 15th, we'll be joined by, well, this season he was, the rookie phenom punter of the St. Louis Rams going into his second year, and that's Johnny Hecker. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah, it's going to be great to talk to Johnny. Uh, great guy, great guy. So it'll be a lot, lot of fun talking to Johnny Hacker. It's going to be a lot of fun celebrating our 100th episode with all of you, our listeners, because without you, we would not be going into our 100th episode. Yep. And that is a straight-up fact, Mike. You know it. All right, so once again, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. Thank you for John Bor- uh, to John Borg from CSN Philly for joining us as well. Uh, for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Ragus. We'll see you all Friday for our 100th episode. Catch you then.